Do you feel stuck in your life, career, or business? And are you ready to take things to the next level? If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is David Trotter, and I'm a transformation coach passionate about helping people just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals. My superpower is helping people experience tremendous breakthroughs in a short period of time. If you give me 12 weeks, I'll help you launch that new project, go after that better job, or overcome that challenge in your business. To find out how I can help you, head on over to insporising.com slash coach. That's insporising.com slash coach. I started you know, binge watching Cake Boss and I was like, I can bake. These guys can do it. I can do it too. Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter, and I'm a business growth consultant. I'm passionate about helping business owners, just like you, rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals, all without the paralyzing overwhelm, feeling all alone, or wondering what the heck to do next. I'm a former pastor and a serial entrepreneur who's passionate about personal growth, because that's what's helped me cultivate peace in my life and empowered me to love my amazing wife, Laura, of 26 years and our two almost grown kids. So if you're all about business, personal growth, and peace in your life, you're in the right place. I'm super glad that you're here. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Inspiration Rising. Hey, I'm going to tell you, last week was a tough week for me. Man, I just felt a little down the whole week. I was listening to um, Esther Hicks on podcast, trying to help my help me get my uh, focus back on the things that I really want in life and be grateful and appreciative. And I'm going to tell you that, um, well, I had a funny realization. I walk about six miles a day right now because I'm doing 75 hard. So I walk about three miles in the morning for 45 minutes and then about three miles in the afternoon. And on my walks, I primarily see two things. There are two things that I see over and over again. You want to know what they are? Number one, I see dog poop. Yes, I know it's disgusting, but I see a lot of dog poop while I'm walking around like, you know, neighborhoods and over through this nature preserve that I go to. That's number one. Number two, I see flowers tons and tons of flowers, flowers in people's yards, flowers in the nature preserve, just all kinds of shapes and sizes from roses to wildflowers to all kinds of flowers that I can't even, you know, I don't even know the names of them. So I started thinking, hmm, what I pay attention to is what I see more of. So if I pay attention to the dog poop, I'm like, oh my gosh, why don't people pick up after their dogs? This is ridiculous. There are no stray dogs running around our neighborhoods. It's illegal. And so there are no strays. So you know that was somebody who had their dog on a leash. Okay, see, I'm getting fired up over dog poop. But if I pay attention to the flowers, I see more flowers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I start to notice all the different colors and the shapes and the sizes and the beauty and the complexity of the blooms. And I get to see where they're growing wild. And I get to see they're they're growing in people's yards where they're cultivating them. And so I started recognizing that what I pay attention to is what I start to see more of. 
So, in your own life, what are you paying attention to? Are you paying attention to the dog poop? Mm-hmm, yeah. Well, last week I kind of was. I was kind of, you know, paying attention to the poopy parts of my life, the things that don't smell so good or the things that aren't going so well. And I realized, you know, there are always going to be challenges in our life. There are always going to be little things that nag us and, you know, but what are we paying attention to? I'm not saying you disregard it and you don't do anything about it. I'm just saying, hey, what you pay attention to is what you will see more of. So this next week, well, starting today. I'm starting to pay attention to more flowers. Let's look at the flowers in our life. Let's to let's stop and smell those and recognize how these beautiful, amazing things have been gifted to us from our from our partners, spouses, our friends, our family, our loved ones, our kids, our pets, our the the finances that we have in our life, the roof over our head, the cars that we drive, the amazing opportunities that we have. These are all the flowers of our life. So that's my encouragement to you today. Hey, um, oh my goodness, I have got an incredible interview for you today. Her name is Randy Smith, and she is the founder and lead designer of Sugar Euphoria. I love that name. It's a boutique wedding cake and confectionery studio in North Carolina. And she talks all about in this episode how she got started, why she closed down her retail location, and how she's now more successful than ever, all while managing motherhood and entrepreneurship, the balancing of all of that, right? It can be challenging. Now, Randy, um, she's been featured in Style Me Pretty Brides Magazine, Martha Stewart, Borrowed and Blue, Southern Bride and Groom, Mona Lucci Bride. Oh, I think I botched that one. Wedding Sparrow and Gray Likes Weddings. Bottom line is, her cakes are absolutely beautiful. You should check them out at sugareuphoria.com. All right, you're going to love my conversation with Randy Smith. So let's jump in. Randy, thanks so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on, David. Talk to me about your growing up years when it comes to cooking and baking and cakes and pastries and all that kind of stuff. Did you grow up in a household where you were encouraged to bake from an early age? Oh, most definitely. Everybody on my dad's side of the family can bake and they bake really well. So I grew up baking with my mom on Sunday. So we would start our Sunday getting ready for Sunday dinner and we would bake something like a pound cake or maybe brownies. And then we would go over to my grandmother's house in the afternoon for lunch, and then we would bake again. So there was always sweets in our life. Um, And then I come from a long family of cake designers, too. My grandmother, her sister, my great-grandmother, they all did wedding cakes back in, like, the 60s and 70s and 80s. Bacon is in my blood. DNA, it's in your genetics. That is amazing. Okay, so... um, did you at any point go, no, I'm not interested or no, you were just interested from the very beginning? You know what? I left Nassau and I went to the University of North Carolina and I did not bake a single thing the entire time I was in college, unless you count like going and buying the break and bake cookies baking, but I didn't touch a whisk um, the entire time. And it wasn't until I was actually in graduate school that I was like, you know what, I can get into this again. I started, you know, binge watching Cake Boss and I was like, I can bake. These guys can do it. I can do it too. 
it was not uh, as easy as it looked. Let me just say that. And it was a far cry from baking with my grandmother in her, her kitchen in the Bahamas. And why is that? Because you didn't have everything that you needed or because your skills weren't there, your grandmother wasn't there to help you? Right. So it was a combination of things. It was, I just had no clue how to even really assemble a cake to make it look as professional as those guys on TV or what I was seeing on YouTube or even on Instagram at the time. So I didn't have the skill set and I definitely did not have the equipment. Um, It was just me a bowl and a wooden spoon trying to mix everything together. Yeah. Now, would you say that Now, this is somebody who, you know, geez, I probably last time I made a cake was maybe when I was like 14 or something out of a Betty Crocker, you know, box. Um, So uh, I found it very fascinating as a teenager that I could assemble things and it would turn out to be something edible. Um, That was very fascinating, you know, as a kid. But um, did you find that it's that it was less about the baking and more about the assembling and the designing that was more challenging for you or the whole process? The baking aspect of it was actually pretty easy. I mean, baking is a science. And once you have that recipe in front of you, as long as you follow those instructions, you should be good to go. You can't really deviate too much with baking, but it was the actual assembling and the decorating that just requires so much skill, so much practice to be able to actually nail it. Mm -hmm. And when you're practicing, then you end up with this giant cake. Like, what are you supposed to do with it once you're like, no, this cake looks horrible. I can't give it. Like, what do you do? How do you, do you throw the cakes away? Do you eat them? Do you give them to friend? You know, like this is back in the day, of course. Yes. So let me say I had some really monstrous cakes, I will say. Um, there were a few things that I was like, I don't think anybody should ever see this. Um, but my husband comes from a really large family, so I would just kind of bring this cake that was supposed to be, you know, a tear cake, but now it looks like a church hat over to them um, for Sunday dinner. And it tasted great. It just didn't look like anything that I wanted to display. So, um, but I will say that our little immediate house, we don't eat a lot of uh, those cakes. Just give them out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, talk to me about after graduates or during graduate school, you started getting back into cake making and, and, and it sounds like cakes were just always the thing. It wasn't like cookies or cupcakes or other kind of pastries. It was just always cakes that you were passionate about. Yeah, it was, you know, growing up, it was all of the other little things, the, like the really easy treats. And then I just really wanted to make a career out of the cake design aspect of it, getting into those special events with the weddings, um, the bridal showers and doing the more elaborate designs. But that love of baking the smaller things still stuck with me which is why I expanded from just doing wedding cakes to actually offering dessert bars and dessert tables too. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so you were in, I, I, you know, did my research basically on your LinkedIn account and saw, you know, kind of the different things that you've been involved in in life. And it's been up until recently, it looks like you were in the IT training world full time. Is that right? Yeah. So I actually have never really left the IT training world. Um, I've been going back and forth uh, with my IT profession over a number of years. Um, I've been blessed to have a great working relationship with the company um, that rolls out this IT software 
I've known them for years. They've known me from before I started baking. So they're just really supportive and it works. It's been working all these years. So do you still do IT training? Mm-hmm. You do? Okay. And then for you, when did you actually kind of launch as a business where you said, okay, this is not going to just be a hobby. I'm going to do this and have other people invest in what I'm providing. Sure. So I started Sugar Euphoria back in 2012, like officially launched it, became legal, paid the state all of my money um, in 2012. And I went out to bridal shows and I said, hey, I'm Randy from Sugar Euphoria and I want to make your wedding cake. Um, And that really, you know, the increase started rolling in for a really long time. Real quick question. Did you have... um photos of other, you know, previous cakes that you had made that you, whether you had paid or not been paid when you went to those bridal shows? I actually made a ton of fake cakes. So I had probably five or six styrofoam cakes behind me that I decorated um, over the course of a few weeks and said, this is what your wedding cake could look like. I can do this for you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. And so you actually started getting clients from the very beginning from that first show. Yeah, from the very beginning. How much did you pay to get into that show. Uh, I want to say it was about a thousand dollars. Oh my goodness, that was a big yeah. investment. It's a huge. It was a huge investment, and that was just a thousand dollars to sign up for the two day fair. Right. I guess you would call it because it was massive. It was just thousands of people walking down these tiny aisles. Um, but that was just the registration fee. That didn't include the. 1200 samples that I created and all of the fake cakes and all of the promotional materials. So it was, it was a huge investment. Yeah. Yeah. And how many, do you remember how many orders you got uh, from that first experience? I probably got about, I, I actually, I do know how many I got. I remember this. I ended up with eight cake orders from that show, but they were very, uh, inexpensive cakes for the couples. I definitely wasn't charging what I do now, but I wouldn't say that I felt like I recouped the investment that I put in there, but you know, it was definitely a good launching point for me. Yeah. Yeah. A good start. Um, okay. So then how did you continue to grow your business? This was eight, nine years ago. Yeah. It's a long time. It has been a long time. Um, and so I went into the IT field. So I left uh, grad school and I moved back to the Triangle area, North Carolina. And my friend said, you know what? We're looking for a trainer for this project that we're doing. And I was like, oh, I was a TA in grad school. I can, surely I can train. Just give me the manual. I can go up there. Um, and I ended up traveling all across North Carolina, teaching caseworkers how to use this computer system. Um, but then I was no longer able to work because my work permit was expiring. My visa that was allowing me to work was expiring. Um, but we, my husband and I were planning on getting married. So I was like, well, I can't work for them anymore. I still have sugar euphoria. Let me go full steam ahead with that. And that's when I just kind of hit the ground running. And it's been, yeah, it's been eight years. Amazing. Amazing. Now, if I look at your website, when I have looked at your website, and I look at all the places that you've been, in my head, I'm thinking, 
Randy has this location where I can walk in and I can choose cakes and maybe I could even buy a cake for a birthday. I mean, the, the photography, the website, the everything is <laughs> so amazing. Thank you. And, and the reason why I'm saying this is because I assume you don't have a physical location. Right, right. We had a bakery for a while, um, for maybe about a year, maybe a year and a half. Um, and it was just not something that brought me a whole lot of joy. It actually became a huge stressor for us for a number of reasons. One, the location just wasn't really great. You know, we kind of rushed into finding a space for a studio and the location wasn't great. We didn't have a good relationship with the landlord, but it was just so hit or miss every day. Like I could sell out the entire case before noon or three days would go by and I might see three people. And so it was just never something that we could really gauge. And I hated the idea of wasting all of that food on the days that we didn't sell out. So the wedding inquiries were skyrocketing and we were doing, you know, four or five events a weekend, but that actual storefront, the case was just not, it wasn't profitable. Um, and so we decided to, to get rid of the space and leave. And since then, I've just been by order only. Mm-hmm. And. I have people that I come across that want to create, you know, whether it's cookies or cupcakes and all that kind of stuff. And it's so easy to jump into that storefront mindset. Like, well, if I had storefront, then people will see me and then they'll just come in and then they'll want to buy. And I'm hearing you go, eh, that wasn't the experience for me. It wasn't. Yeah. It was not. And we did, we did, you know, we did a lot of marketing. We did video campaigns and we were on TV. But, you know, if you don't have, a really nice location, it's just not going to be worth it. Unless you're in a high traffic area where people have a lot of disposable income, because we know, you know, spending $4 on a cupcake is, it's a luxury. It's not a necessity. So unless you have a bunch of foot traffic where people are willing to spend, I just didn't experience that it was worth it. And I will say that outside of just my bakery, Prior to that, we worked in a few different commercial kitchens and other bakeries where I would come in at four in the morning, three in the morning, and bake out of their space and be gone by nine. And even they, those folks with the storefronts in some pretty good areas had to close up shop after a few years. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah. And, and not only if you are in that high foot traffic area, then you're going to be paying the high foot traffic prices. Precisely. Yeah. So now you've got to sell even more. So... Now, are you, where do you bake your cakes currently? Yep. So we have a certified kitchen that we bake out of. And then I typically meet the couples. Well, prior to COVID, I was meeting them at a coffee shop where I have a great relationship with the folks. um, And it was very, very beneficial for both of us. I was bringing new folks to their storefront and we were buying up all of the coffee all Saturday morning. Um, But now that COVID is here, I just have scheduled times where folks will meet me there and get a cake tasting box and we'll do a virtual consultation. And then I head back to my kitchen. So you still meet them at the coffee shop Mm -hmm. with a cake tasting box. So that's no different. But then, um, so what has changed in terms of COVID? Before we would sit there and we would share coffee, we would talk and sketch and just have a good time for like 45 minutes to an hour. And talk all things cake, all things wedding. But since COVID, we've just been, you know, meeting each other with our masks. I hand over a box, and then we have a time where we would sit just like we are and and chat. 
Oh, via Zoom. Via Zoom. Yeah. Or FaceTime or whatever, you know, they have access to. And it definitely detracts from the experience of having a tasting, you know, like we had in years prior where we could really hang out. So, yeah. I see, yeah. I see that. So how have you built the business over the years? Um, you know what I mean? Like now that you don't have a physical location, obviously you have a website. How much of that is referral? How much of it is SEO? How much of it is social media? Yeah, it's all of those things. So I, I'm a true believer in investing in professional help. So I went into the end of last year saying, you know what? I've been in business for eight years and I'm not on the first page when you search Raleigh Wedding Cakes. And I have to change that because I blog and I do everything I thought I was supposed to do to get there. And I just wasn't making it. And so I hired an SEO consultant um, and she went into my website in the back end. And now I've skyrocketed to the top. So I definitely see a lot more organic traffic. Um, I would say this is probably the most increase we've had since we had the storefront, actually. Wow. Yeah, it is mind blowing. If you could share um, with us a price range of how much you invested in that, just so people can kind of go, and everybody's different, all SEO consultants, and you can get somebody in India or Pakistan, or you can get somebody in the US, you know what, right, there's different prices. But I want people to hear, oh, it required this investment in order to get this type of return. So are we talking like the 500 range, 1000 range, Mm 10,000? It was 1200. Okay. It was $1,200. And it took, I think we were meeting over the course of a month. So we had you know, some intake questionnaires that we went through and um, getting her set up on Google Analytics and giving her access to Google My Business and all of that stuff. And, you know, she was running all kind of searches in the background, things that go way over my head, um, finding keywords and all of that. And I would say that would have been in September. And by December, I just saw my my website just keep going, inching closer and closer to the top. So now we're on the front page. And um, that is uh, especially um, helpful and important for a local oriented business because, yes. because there are a limited number of, like if you were just trying to do cake designers worldwide, now you're in a bigger challenge. But if you're doing Raleigh cake designers, now you've got a very much more limited audience where SEO could really help you. So it's, a, it's well worth the investment. I mean, I would assume that a couple of cakes have paid for that SEO work. Yeah. yeah. Two cakes would would take care of that. And we've gotten, you know, an exponential amount of inquiry since doing that. But it's definitely been a huge help. I mean, I would say I was, you know, kind of just throwing money out there, all these other marketing techniques, hoping to get that type of return on investment and nothing has come close. Wow. Talk to me about what sets you apart. What sets Sugar Euphoria and Randy Smith apart from all the other cake designers, not only in Raleigh, but just in general? Like what's unique about you? So so the first thing I would say is that I love to celebrate, right? So I feel, I love to celebrate. And I feel like that kind of comes through when I'm talking to my clients or just even on my website, on social media, like I love to celebrate life special moments. And I feel like that really comes through with like the designs that we do with the flavors that we put forth, that it really, I would say, probably hones in on who the couples are, um, more so than some of the other folks out here, because we're really focused on celebrating their special moment and not just creating a cake to create a cake. And I think that's what really draws people in and 
helps us get legacy clients. I mean, I've done folks wedding in 2013 and we've done their baby showers, their kids' birthday, their sister's cake. So it's just kind of in a snowball effect. But have you done anyone's second or third wedding? Like, you know, they 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 get the divorce and then they're coming back to you for the next cake. No, we have <laughs> not gotten there yet. We have not. I've gotten one inquiry from a couple for her divorce celebration cake, but that's it. Knock on wood. <laughs> so good. So good. Um, all right. So when you sit down with a couple, are you opening up a book of like, here are options, pick one, two, or three, or are you opening up a, you know, like I'm at, you know, Ralph's or Kroger or something, you know, like pick the birthday cake option. <laughs> right. From a laminated sheet. <laughs> yes. Or, um, is it a hundred percent customizable or, you know, help me understand that process. Sure. So there are certain cake designs that, you know, no matter how much we try to say, like it's completely custom. We know that if somebody comes with us to us with a semi-frosted cake, that's just the cake, right? It's just barely iced and that's just the style of the cake. But for those people who are looking for something more custom, we ask, well, we ask everybody to bring a few items to their cake tasting or to their Zoom meeting. That's like their invitation suite, um, any inspiration pictures that they have for their overall wedding, not just for the cake, but for their overall wedding. Um, swatches of their wedding dress, if they can, if they're comfortable bringing that. Um, and then their colors, their floral recipes as well, just so we have like an overall picture of what it is that they're trying to achieve with the look of their reception. And then we kind of go from there and draw inspiration from those things into the cake design. So for instance, I have a bride who's like, I love the color purple and I want my wedding to look like a secret garden, like an impressionist painting. And so that's what we're drawing on for her wedding cake. How about the times when the bride says, I want this and you're going, oh my gosh, that just sounds horrible. Like that just sounds disgusting. Like, what do you say in those moments? So I always ask them, what aspect of this cake do they love the most? Is it maybe the pillars that remind them of their grandmother's cake from the 30s? You know, is it the scroll work that's a little bit reminiscent of a time past? Like, what is it exactly about that cake that they love? And really, people say, I want the whole thing. I want the whole horrid tear thing. That that never happened. With, like, the LED and the waterfall. That doesn't happen anymore. But I may say, okay, well, is it this cascade that you like? We can definitely do that cascade or is it this ribbon because we can do that too but I always tell people up front we will not 100% replicate a cake that you bring to us outside of those very um, basic designs. Have you ever turned out a client because it was just so bad? I have. It had like I was mentioning LED like sparklers and a waterfall and it was like spread over maybe an eight table. So it just had like different tiers kind of linked with bridges. And I was like, that's just not my style. Um, and usually if something isn't my style or is not within like the budget that I have set, I can send them someplace else. But with that, I had no clue where to direct them to. No idea. 
Now, I've seen on your website that you offer destination cakes, which is, you know, I'm not going on many cake websites, honestly, but I was like, what? No way. How do you, how do you, do you drive it? Do you ship it? Like, what do you do? There is probably the greatest invention to hit the cake decorating world is something called a cake safe. Cake safe. Mm -hmm. It comes in a ton of different sizes and it is an insulated box with a metal rod that goes down. And if you go on their website, you can see somebody take a cake on the back of a scooter down a hill and nothing happens. I taken a cake to the Bahamas. We put it, you know, we packed it up. It was cool. Of course, it's an insulated box. Took it to the airport and it's see-through. So they were like, what in the world? We don't want to handle this. And I was like, no, you can, you can do it. And so they taped it up put all their fragile stickers on it and put it in, put it under the plane. And when I got to Nassau, it was just as cold and as fresh as if it, I had just taken it out of the refrigerator. It was upright, no shifting, no moving, nothing. The cake is actually one of those featured on my website. It's a gold cake with like feathers on it. And I took it down for my cousin's wedding. Wow. Now, why would someone want a cake, you know, like a destination cake versus can't you just find somebody in Paris that'll give you a cake or can't you some find, I don't understand. Right. And there are talented folks everywhere, but sometimes I think it comes down to like the relationship that you have. Sometimes it's a relationship with the couple or the relationship with the planner. Um, for folks who are maybe leaving the United States going down to the Bahamas, they're like, we don't want to get into the logistics of finding somebody there and vetting them. So that's just, Pay the money to have somebody that we know and can trust to bring the cake. Have you had quite a few clients in the Bahamas because that's where you grew up? Yes. And because you have relatives that are still there. Right. Yeah. My entire family is still in the Bahamas. So that has been a big part of being able to travel down there and do different events. Um, and then we've also packed up cakes in the cake safe with our planner friends or our photographer friends. And they've driven the cake to Atlanta. They've driven the cake down to South Carolina. So you really have access to a lot of different high profile cities right where you are. So, right. Exactly. So, um, that's a good thing about North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. We're close enough. Okay. So I know you have three children and I've seen the pictures and they're very young. Like they're all in preschool, uh, under preschool, right? Yep. One that's, is your youngest a year or less? He is a year old. Okay. Yep. What are their names, if you don't mind sharing? Sure, that's fine. So Finley is five, Emery is three, and Cannon is one. Finley, Emery, and Cannon. Yes. Very fun. My kids' names are Waverly and Emerson. So I have, love it. Yeah, you have fun names too. Um, so how do you do this where it sounds like you're, I don't know if you're working full-time with the IT company, but you've got that job, plus you've got Sugar Euphoria, where you've got multiple cakes per week and three kids. Is your husband your personal assistant or does he, <laughs> what's going on here? He also owns his own business. Um, he owns a logistics company. So you can imagine that's a lot of hands-on work that has to be done with just navigating that entire industry um, between residential and commercial stuff. But we are very fortunate that one, he comes from a large family and two, that his large family is more than willing to help us out when the time comes. So they are in preschool and they go half day, but my mother-in-law and my sisters-in-law over time have come in to help when needed. Um, 
And that's usually like on a daily basis. <laughs> and so we just have a really good flow with the, the childcare going on. Um, and the girls love baking. Like they are always asking if they can get involved too. So at least it keeps them entertained and I can set them aside with something. Um, and, you know, they want to do their own sketches. So that's been really great. Um, but in terms of the sugar euphoria aspect of it, I do most of the baking and the decorating. Um, I have an assistant, but I also have a virtual assistant that helps me with my scheduling um, and client communications. I have somebody who helps me with my social media management. Um, I have a business coach that has really, really helped. So I am no stranger to outsourcing and asking for help wherever and whenever I need it. So good. Wow. Now let's talk about the whole, you know, yeah, you've got your family to help and you've got a virtual assistant and you've got assistant for a cake and you've got a coach, but how do you keep yourself? I think about personal refreshment and the connection, at least in my life between personal refreshment and creativity that when I'm feeling toasty and burned out and crispy, there's no creativity to draw from. And what you're talking about, there's a lot of creativity that you're bringing to the table here. So how do you personally keep yourself refreshed? Sure. So one thing I, for the past few years, I've been going through and reading the Bible every day. So that's been like a really good quiet time, a good way to start the morning is to just, well, listen to it on my app. Um, And that usually kind of settles me for the day. But if I feel like I'm getting burnt out or just kind of over the cakes or feeling like, you know, I'm getting sucked into comparison, then I'll take a break from social media, leave cake design and immerse myself in other things like home decor or fashion, like going through magazines or watching something on HGTV just to see something else that's not wedding related. And that really helps me kind of get resettled and, and ready to go back to my clients and start sketching. Mm-hmm. Between you and your husband, which one has the highest highs and lowest lows? And which one's the kind of the more steady person? His his stuff is a lot steadier than mine. For is, is sure. Personality more steady as well? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's so even keel. So he kind of keeps like he's kind of like a rock where yes. you kind of a little bit more highs and the lows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I'm like, I feel, you know trying to balance all of these things or juggle all of them and, um, you know, mom guilt coming into play and dealing with clients who are navigating COVID. So it's, yeah, it can be a lot at one time, but he's definitely the steady. He's always been that way. Mm -hmm. When do you actually bake and assemble the cakes? How do you work that into your schedule? So I, I just steal little pockets of time, really. I never like to bake earlier than about the Wednesday before the event. So I'll try to get everything else done earlier in the week, like buying the supplies, um, doing all of the correspondence, making sure like the schedule and the delivery and everything is set out. And then on Wednesday, then I'll start working and actually like baking and assembling. And I mean, wedding cakes, assembly actually takes a few days. So 
that's the good thing about it. Um, if you don't assemble it, if you try to do it all at once, you're going to get a cake that's like lopsided and unsettled and will be a disaster on the actual wedding date. So. And this kitchen, are you this kitchen full time or you just have access to it a few hours or how does that work for you? Oh, no, I always have access to it. Yeah. Okay. So then I'll sit. I might have to get on a call for work and I'll sit there and. You know, I'll get on the call and answer a few questions. But as the lead, there's very little hands-on things that I have to do for work. It's a lot of reviews and, and calls, which is a blessing because then I can actually be on a call and be making, you know, some emails or making some calls or making an order for the supplies. And then I just try to schedule my work stuff to be done before I need to get into the wedding stuff so that there's some separation between the two. If someone's listening and they're enamored by the wedding industry, because I know a lot of people are, specifically more so women, obviously, mm-hmm. are excited about some aspect of it because it's a huge industry, huge business. <laughs> what would, what encouragement or advice would you give them as they were thinking about entering into not just necessarily cake designing, but anything revolving around the wedding industry? Yeah, the wedding industry is beautiful, right? Like we are surrounded by pretty things all of the time. We're kind of immersed in the beauty of it all. Um, And people just love love. Like we love hearing folks' stories and, you know, how they met and what their plans are. But I would encourage anybody getting into this world of like opulence and beautiful things to also remember that it's still a business and that it still needs to be business-minded. You know, we think of ourselves as creatives. And I know a lot of creative people say, I just don't have a mind for numbers and I don't have a mind for business. But if this is going to be your livelihood or some aspect of your livelihood, you have to keep that in mind that you still need to be a business person in the midst of floral bouquets and wedding dresses and lace and tool. It's a business, which uh, leads us to, I know you've got a free download for people and it's a pricing work workbook. Is that correct? Or worksheet? That's correct. Okay. And tell us what it is and where they can find it. Sure. So just over the years, I've met with so many People in the dessert industry, cake design, um, you know, dessert tables who just feel like they're doing an expensive hobby for years. And I was there myself where I just felt like every year these numbers just don't look really good. And it took me a while to sit down and figure out, you know, who my ideal client is and how do I want to market to them and how do I want to price my offering so that I can make a profit Um, And so then I decided to create this resource for people who were in my shoes, in my industry, to sit down and kind of work through some of those limiting beliefs that they have as to why they can't be profitable and take some next steps, some action items to get there. And they can find that at euphoria.com. Yep. If they go to sugaryeuphoria.com, there is a tab that says shop and they can just go there and get the free download. Awesome. And they of course, can find you uh, sugar euphoria on Instagram and all the places, amazing the places. photography, beautiful website. So Randy, it is a pleasure to meet you and hear more about your business. And I know that our listeners will be inspired by, um, you know, I just see you've been tenacious and you've been figuring it out along the way, you know, and I love that you're carrying on this as a family kind of family tradition. Yeah. It's really beautiful, and it'll be fun to see if your kids continue to carry it on, if you pressure them into being, you know, <laughs> designers as well. I know, I know. I, I see it in one. I see it in one of them. She is, they're both very artistic, but I think one of them 
at their young age is more drawn to it than others. So we'll see. No pressure at all. Very fun. Andy, thanks for being with me. Thank you. Thanks, David. Hey, congrats on listening to another episode of Inspiration Rising. Why congrats? Because you're pouring education and inspiration into your mind and heart. And that's something we all need if we're going to grow our businesses and reach our goals in life. Now, if you enjoy Inspiration Rising, do us a favor, share it with a friend, take a screenshot of your favorite episode and text it to them. Tell them to search for Inspiration Rising on their favorite podcast app and click subscribe. And if you haven't already, be sure to sign up for Inspo Text. That's our daily inspirational text messages. Just text me right now at 949-401-6090. That's 949-401-6090. Just say, hey, Dave, what's up? You'll get an automated reply with a link where you can add yourself as a contact. And of course, you can always unsubscribe. I want you to know today that you're inspired, empowered, and loved. Not because of the way you feel or what anyone else says about you, but because that's your true identity. Mm